Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome back to Coast View. Listen, I really enjoyed that conversation with Mayor Kenny Holloway from Ocean Springs. Ocean Springs is on fire. And uh, if you missed that incredible conversation, go back and uh, go to the Super Talk Gulf Coast Facebook page or the Super Talk YouTube page or your favorite podcast and just do a search Coast View. And uh, I talk about some of the most, uh, you know, some of the incredible conversations I've had with young entrepreneurs who are do- making serious investments in Ocean Springs. Hey, listen, it wasn't long ago I was, uh, I was watching Super Talk TV and just happened to cross a conversation between a young man by the name of Austin Golding and um uh, and and Paul Gallo and I was super impressed with Austin. He's the president and CEO of Golding Barge Line. And I, it caused me to go do a little search on his history. His third generation, his dad's had some success over the years, had a company, sold the company, started a company back again. And now as the uh, president and CEO, Austin's taken the company to places, I guess maybe his dad never dreamed he would take it. But it's, it's cool to see young people do amazing things. But they had a great conversation about about the global oil, uh, the global oil market, and uh, because of what what his company does, what Austin's company does, very specifically as it re- as it relates to refined petroleum products, petrochemicals, and other chemical products that derive from oil, uh, I thought it'd be good to have a conversation with him about sort of the state of affairs that we're in today. So, without any further ado, let me welcome Austin Golding to the conversation. How you doing, Austin? Oh, great, Ricky. Thanks for having me today. And thanks for the uh, the introduction. I don't deserve it. I really appreciate that. Well, you grew up, you grew up in the business, man. And it's uh, it's cool to, to see, again, a third generation. I actually went to your website to see a picture of your of your grandfather sitting yeah. behind the, the wheel of a, of a, of a boat. Uh, it's in your blood, isn't it? It is. You know, we trace our roots back to Greenville, Mississippi, to a time where uh, there was uh, probably two dozen towboat companies uh, in and around that area. And as we moved down uh, to, to Vicksburg for our second enterprise, uh, yeah, it's been a, a multi-generational affair. Uh, it's a passion of my family's business. But like we say, you know, who who else wants to fill uh, an investment full of petroleum and petrochemicals and people and float it down the Mississippi River? So you almost <laughs> got to be born into it to, to jump into our game. Uh, but it, it, we're passionate about it. And uh People, people and safety come first, and the business seems to follow in right behind that. What's interesting about what you're doing is that you have really worked hard to find your competitive advantage. And, uh, you, I mean, you've really refined your capabilities, and people rely on you guys because you're, you're a low-cost provider. There's such a thing in the, wor- work, in the world that you're in. But why don't you give people a sense of what Golding Barge Line is all about? Sure. So we move uh, gasoline, diesel, petrochemicals, anything that's a feedstock that goes into what we use every day uh, post-refinery. So once they take the crude oil, they run it through the refinery, they either got to load it into a rail system, a pipeline, or some kind of maritime system. We're the maritime piece that runs inland. So we run in all the lower Mississippi, upper Mississippi, Ohio River, all from the ICW from Brownsville, Texas, all the way to Panama City, Florida. Uh, into Oklahoma, through Alabama on the 10 time, you name it. If we can draft yeah. nine feet of water, we'll go. And so we're usually the piece between a refinery and a truck rack or a rail rack that goes right to your gas station. 
a refinery and another refinery that are making a certain product. They both are trading, uh, you know, different products to, you know, usually as a selling point, they, they'll trade those. And then the actual trading arms that don't own refineries, they just own storage facilities. And they'll buy it, flip it, wait for the price to change, blend it to make it into something else. And then we'll carry it, what they call FOB or delivered. Uh, they'll charter us to kind of deliver it to who they sold to. Uh, but recently, a lot of what we've been moving is going into plastic products. Uh, a lot of the, the, the uh, chemicals that go to cut the plastic down and they make it into small pellets and they ship it all over the world. So we also move a little rock. Uh, and one of the, uh, the coast favorite companies of Warren Paving is a uh, customer of ours. So I uh, do a little business with Mississippi and we're Chevron's largest clean products carrier out of uh, Pascagoula. So uh, we're down in y'all's neck of the woods a lot. It's a great, great, great. We're really burgeoning part of our business. Well, listen, uh, I talk about it a lot on the show, but, you know, we're lucky in coastal Mississippi because you have Chevron and Ingalls. I call them one of the bookmarks. And then on the other side of the coast, we have Stena Space Center as the other bookmark. And in between, we have hospitality and gaming and all the things that are happening. We're truly an economic engine for the state. But when you consider the role that certainly Ingalls plays, it goes way beyond that. And when you consider the role that Chevron plays, it goes way beyond that. Chevron is actually very significant, isn't it, Austin? Oh, it's huge. That people don't understand that refinery is absolutely enormous, and it supplies not only Chevron with fuel, but also uh, multiple major oil companies buy products from Chevron there because of how strategic that refinery is. There aren't many on this side of New Orleans that have the ability to load ships internationally, uh, especially to the barrel a day count that that refinery is pushing. So it's a big, big piece of the refinery puzzle in this country in a very strategic location. So, um, you know, I think that that gasoline isn't the only product coming out of there. They're making diesel for the world. They're making chemicals that go into making your dashboard and your car to the bag of chips that you're going to have for lunch today. Uh, so it's a very dynamic uh, facility as well. We, you know, how I get a sense of the volume, of course, as a former publisher of the Sun-Herald, I had t- opportunities to go to Chevron. I've flown over in a helicopter. I've gone offshore to see how all that process works. But when you're, I do a lot of offshore fishing. And when you see those super tankers come into the Gulf and then they download to these other tankers and, they, and they're standing and literally waiting in lines to go download their product. I mean, it is a machine, dude, of, of yeah. massive amounts of, of product going in and out of there, isn't it? Oh, it is. And, and the engineering that goes into it is is fascinating. Um, you know, the, the way that we're able to get it uh, around the world through these facilities and into our cars uh, for what we do and, and into our products for what we do. I mean, it's a it's a marvel and efficiency. And like we've seen, whenever you have a disruption and that efficiency counts on kind of compounding effects, and you take it's like a Jenga uh, you know, puzzle. You take one piece out. And the whole thing can be disrupted. So uh, especially when it's under pressure like it is now. Uh, so, you know, I think that's what we're seeing is, is the system is kind of taxing itself to rise to the challenge of meeting, uh, you know, a gap in the supply chain, which would be Russian oil or Russian products even. So what? So before we get to Russia, because it, then that's obviously the most interesting, the most important geopolitical right. issue that's happening right now. Think of think of just um, um, at a very very high level. I think of I think of the oil markets as, and it's a global market. It's you know OPEC is impacting it. Non-OPEC companies are impacting it, but it's a it's a at the at the core, it's a lot about supply and demand. And right. we'll come back to we were already in sort of a tenuous situation coming out of the pandemic 
pandemic as it relates to supply and demand. We'll come back to that in a second. And then, of course, most recently, the geopolitical issues related to Russia is a big issue. But I think a great way to start is simply, as you mentioned about Chevron, in 2005 when Hurricane Katrina hit coastal Mississippi, it was a supply disruption almost immediately coming from uh, Chevron having been hit by Hurricane Katrina. And it affected the global markets, didn't it? Oh, it did. You know, what people really, the, the straight line between more oil, oil drilling and production and cheaper you know, gas at the pump, and there is a line there, but it's, a, it's not a straight line. Uh, one of the more interesting things to think about uh, is the most of the crude that comes from these places internationally uh, is very heavy, heavy crude that requires heat. It's hard to handle. When you process it, you get more of the asphalts and the lubes and some of the low-end stuff. Uh, but you also get a lot of the a lot of the high end, uh, you know, different refining components. Now, the crude that we frack and we get here has a consistency of, of diesel. It's a lot easier to handle. It doesn't require heat, and we get a lot of light ends out of it. All right, so you take that. That's your that, that's your two source materials. If it's cheaper for these companies to make something here and send it internationally and make a higher margin, they are going to do it. They're internationally positioned to do that. They're not just going to sell that, that product here because there's some patriotic line item in their budget. It's not. They're beholden to the shareholder and to the investor, not this country. Now, we all hope that there's some, there's some allegiance here, but the fact is we make a lot of the world's diesel here. We make a lot of the world's really capable uh, uh, octane boosters, such as naphthas, reformates, raffermates. We make a lot of the world's plastics here. A lot of the ethylene and the polyurethane and the, the xylenes, the toluenes. Those chemicals are made and refined here, and then they're put on ships and go around the world. Okay, you want that not to happen, but you want it all to go into ga domestic gasoline production. It's just not going to happen directly. Now, if the cost of the source material goes down, you would hope that that would be passed on to the rest of the production just through the supply and demand scale, and it does. But you're not just going to have a light switch where you say, let's get more oil in these refineries and make more gasoline. It's got to make sense for them, and, and they got to replace something else in that process with that domestic gasoline to make that decision. Yeah, and also the more that I've the more that I have read about it to try to understand it more uh, is you know the reality is we don't solve it's too often we simplify the issue by saying uh, America needs to become energy independent. There's really no such thing as true energy independence given the global connectivity that you just talked about. Exactly, and I think the biggest thing that people need to remember we have the best lack of a better term, kitchen for refining oil in the world. We're making some of the most high-end products in the world here that produce a very high margin for these companies. So gasoline is not the only thing coming out of these facilities, but even the gasoline we make is at a higher, a higher grade and more, a more versatile grade than a lot of the rest of the world can make. So yes, I mean, we are the global supplier and to be independent, we're beyond independent. We help the world have, have energy independence, not just America. So when we come back, we're going to continue our, our conversation with Austin Golding. And I want to I want to get more specifically into, um, you know, we were coming out of the pandemic. There were big issues about supply and demand coming out of the pandemic. So we added another variable in the midst of what, what was already a market that had some instability in it as it relates to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We'll, we'll start to kind of break all that down after we come back from break.
Texas Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a conversation with uh, with someone who I had the opportunity to see on Paul Gallo's show not long ago, Austin Golding. He's the president and CEO of Golding Barge Line. He's sitting uh, on the Mississippi River as we speak, and he has barges literally all over the place carrying t- uh, di- different grades and and uh, parts of the process of uh, petroleum products all over the United States. He's super engaged in the entire United States in the waterway system. And uh, and as a result of you know the fact that he's sort of this go-between, he's in a great position to really understand where where the global markets are these days. You know, okay, before Russia came along, before this current instability was occurred, we were already in a weird place because of the pandemic, weren't we, Austin? Oh, we were. Uh, and I think even if you want to get uh, you know specific to our part of the supply chain, uh, volumes plummeted when COVID hit. And not only that, you had a new administration come in that, that may not have been as oil, as oil-friendly as the previous one. So you had refiners uh, divest, divesting them, their, their refining positions, shutting refineries down. Uh, different parts of the supply chain shrunk. And so now when you have a tightening, it's not the same supply chain as we had before COVID because people had to react to COVID. And so I know that that's echoed to a lot of different sectors. But in our sector, you saw refineries be, be sold and refineries be shut down. And different and, and a lot of players left even our space and the, and the privatized infrastructure side on the, on the transportation side. So, uh, yeah, we're not as robust as we used to be. And COVID uh, is, you know, was part of that exacerbation for sure. Well, uh, what what's interesting about that is that you uh, again, the, the petroleum industry was hit just like everybody else was hit, whether it be a restaurant or any business. Every single business was hit in some way. So your your ability to turn on the dime is less than what it was before. You factor into that the instability that's created by trying to ramp supply back up again to meet the current demand, that the issues of, of, of some major companies not investing in exploration, but instead invest in alternative energy sources. I mean, it gets complicated fast, doesn't it? It does. And look, I, I've always said we're, we want there to be a sustainability equation in our business, too. We're looking for the most fuel-efficient engines. We understand that becoming greener is a really good thing to talk about and a goal to have out uh, in the future. Now, you know, how do we talk about getting there without disrupting our supply chain? I think there's a process that has to go into place. And I think maybe we need to look at it, like you said, from an optionality standpoint, rather than a complete light switch style scenario. Uh, It's great to have options. It makes us even less dependent on things that can strangle us like this. So we're all about embracing those options. And we hope that this kind of raises the purview uh, that we don't need to just completely abandon our previous investments for the new shiny ones. Maybe we can Maybe we can hold hands and, and figure out how to create a more stable market. Yeah, Austin, I think that everyone buys into the reality that we have to protect the environment. And over time, we will get to cleaner energy sources. The question is, and as you put it, I like the way you said it, the flipping the switch, that, that I mean, the more complex something is, and this is certainly complex, complex, complex the more you should have more of, a, of an implementation strategy that gives you the chance to smooth, have a smooth transition from one to the next. But what you get when you get a new administration going from a Republican administration to a Democratic administration, one that has renewable energies 
countries as a major, major goal. What they do is, in the in the wake of the pandemic, with all the things that you just mentioned, they add a bunch of more variables to the conversation by you know increasing the the amount of regulation or or decreasing capacity in one way or another or whatever, and 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 it just makes what's already a volatile situation even more volatile. And then Russia happens. Yeah, and um, and probably some of the most significant instability we've seen in a long time. Totally, and I think the key with Russia that people have to realize because you're going to get you're going to get the, the the Facebook talking points as I call them, where they can pick things that try to get you excited or, or mad or whatever, however you want to class that. But you have to think, yeah, we don't get a lot of crude oil from Russia. We don't get a lot of finished products from Russia relative to our total our total consumption rate but the rest of the world does and so when their supply is disrupted they start pulling from our supply and our supply is going to be disrupted directly but other parts of the world is going to be disrupted even more uh even more drastically so it puts a strain on the whole system so don't think well they're they're blowing smoke at me about how uh dependent we are on russia or not it's it's you got to understand it's a, we're a part of a global economy especially in the energy piece that's why you've got to go to places like opec venezuela uh, you know, off the coast of Nigeria, places places that aren't exactly friendly places to get this stuff uh, because people hold on to it dearly and they know the rest of the world needs it, not just the country it's being mined in. Uh, so, you know, the, the Russian information is a very complex set of, of details to come out of. Uh, personally, you know, I think we can find other options and we can put pressure on them without having to pay too much of a price here at home. Uh, but it, it, it's, not, it's not as easy as people would lead you to believe, but it's also... We're not as uh, independent of Russia as some people may shrug off and say, well, we can do it. They, we don't, we're not that tied in with them. That's not exactly the case. It's complex. It's a global market. It, the, the entire market, it will, the, will move based on supply. It will, it will move based on demand. There's a lot of breakdown of both of those. It will move based on the geopolitical situation. It, it is, uh, there's, you're, at the end of the day, what the global markets, what was happening at the global level determines the price of gas that we're going to ultimately pay, pay here in America. And uh, you know, we've, we've really only begun to scratch the surface. So, Austin, we're out of time for today. But what I want to do, I mean, you're, just, you know, you're a very articulate and uh, impressive young man. I look forward to, to circling back with you and continuing the conversation and breaking it down even more. But I appreciate what you offered to the show today, my friend. Yeah, Ricky, thanks. And, and uh, look, we love Mississippi. We love being here. Thank you for having me. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back for sure. This is Yeah, this has been Austin Golden, Golding, the president and CEO of Golding Barge Line Company. Have a great day, and we will see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.